Good morning, Crossroad. Hello. Got it. Welcome. Welcome to another glorious Sunday where we get to come and do what we were created to do, and that's worship our Lord and Savior. So I'd like to take this moment to welcome those that are here in the sanctuary with us and also those that are sharing online as our online congregation. You're just as much part of this service as being actually here. We thank you for being faithful and, and signing in. Also, if you're watching us on Facebook, our outreach pastor, our online pastor, Teresa, will be there if you would like to send a message to her or just say hey and let us know that you're here. So if you have anything you would like to share with her, she's there to respond. So as we enter into worship today, we're going to start with our faith statement. We're starting with our foundation, what we're believing and what we're expecting for. So let's go ahead and everybody say our faith statement. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Let's just repeat. How are we going to do everything? Triumphantly. We're not just going to play at it. We're not going to try to figure this thing out. We are going to do it triumphantly. We also have the opportunity to give um, our tithes and offerings. If you're here in the service, we have baskets located in the front here that you can bring your offering to at any time. If you're online, you can also give online. Or if during the week you need to send your offering in, you can also mail it to the church. Let's repeat our statement over our offering. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts, surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decreased, and prices in increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, today as I was studying um, and reading this week, it just kept coming to my spirit that we serve a king, but he's not a king sitting out somewhere on a throne that we've got to go get permission or we've got to travel to go see. He's a king that's available to us at all times. And I'm going to read to you in Revelations because you do understand that the king that we worship is coming back. Yes. You do understand that, right? He is going to come back. And Revelations Verse one, or chapter 1, verse 4 says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace to him who is and who was and who is to come. First of all, he's the God who is. He's always constantly with us in our present. But he's the same God that we read about in the past, that we read about in the Word, 
that we read about Paul and Moses and all the prophets and all those what we like to call stories sometimes because I think that's all they get to be to us until we actually start reading the word. He's the God from then. And he doesn't change. He hasn't changed anything. He is not a 2001 God. He's the God that always has been. And the perfect thing who is to come. He covers our past, our present, and our future. He is always existent. Also in Revelations 4, verse 8 says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around him and with around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Church, this is, the, this is going on in heaven right now. These are the angels, and this is what they're speaking to him. They're acknowledging him as the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. So let's renew our hearts and minds today to understand we're not just worshiping a God on a Sunday. We're not just coming in here and worshiping somebody because that's what we do. We're worshiping with expectation that God is going to come back. Jesus will return. And he's not coming as a little baby. He's not coming to fulfill that part. He's coming, coming as the conquering king. And he will fulfill everything that we have been waiting for. Yes. Hallelujah. Let's enter into worship and let's worship the God who is and who is to come. Yes, come on. He is coming back, but he is still on his throne, right? We believe that this morning. Let's say, I'll walk through the fire. I will walk through the fire. Walk through the
Jason, sing that verse again. Are you hurting?
he did all that but for love. Because he loves you so much, he would give anything, even his son, to save us. So we could have peace and hope and a beautiful life. He loves you so much this morning. Come on, let's talk about how much he loves us. Before I spoke a word. Before I spoke a word, we were singing over me.
know there is nothing you wouldn't do for us. Praise you, Lord Jesus, for your love, God. Come on, there's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Come on, say it again. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Come on, he will do whatever it takes to show you his love. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no wall you won't tear down, coming after me. Come on, tell him again, no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't. Why should I do it for them? Kind of thing, you know. But the love of God, oh my Lord. I just remember how stupid I've been in my life. Some of the things growing up, even knowing the right things to do. Come on, preacher's kid, right? Drilled in there. But you know, there's just sometimes you make choices. And you just know while you're making it, this just isn't the best choice. You know, you just know. And we just then we let the enemy just fill us with condemnation. You're never going to be right again. You're never going to be worthy again. Nothing's ever going to be right again. So then, you know, that happens during the week. Then we come in church and we see this song, The Reckless Love of God. Oh, he'll do anything. But we're still letting the enemy beat us up on the inside. We're not worthy. No, I don't need to go up to the altar. Everybody will know I did something wrong. No, I just, if I wasn't on this piano, I'd be up at that altar. There's just something about coming to an altar, you know what I'm saying? However... If you do need to come to an altar, not just to worship, but just to say, Lord, let me just lay down this craziness I've been doing. Let me lay it on the altar and leave it. Then that's what we need to do. And don't let the enemy make you think you're not worthy of this kind of love. Because let me go ahead and help you out. We're not. None of us are. But he did it anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us anyway. We're not, if you don't fully comprehend that, it's okay. Because I still don't. 
I don't understand how a God is so full of love and mercy can care what I do. But he does. Because he's got a plan for us. A good plan. Better than one we could come up with. And even though we hit rough spots and we don't understand some things, he's working it all together for our good because he sees the end result. He's a good God. He is a kind God. And he loves us. So right now, you may not feel worthy at all. You might, though. You might say, you know what? I know what he did for me. I feel worthy. But some of you might be thinking, nah, what I've done, how I've lived, I'm just not worthy. Either way, wherever you fall that, whenever we sing this again, I just want you to sing it either out of gratitude for what he's done because you know he's good or out of hope, hopeful expectation that even though you've messed up, he still loves me. He's still good. Let's say when I was your friend. When I was your voice, still, still your love for me. Come on, if you want to come to this altar and lay it down, do it. Cause you have been so, so good to me. Even though I didn't deserve it. And I felt no worth. You paid it all for me. Thank you, Jesus. When I was your foe, when I was your foe, still your love fall for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, when I felt no You have been made worthy because of his blood. You have been so, so kind to me. Come on, let's praise him for this love. And all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. He will do whatever it takes because he loves us. Kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. Say it again. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. That's how strong his love is. No wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. No shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. Tell him again. No shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't 
final words, just thank Jesus for his love. for his love this morning. Lord, we thank you, God. You can be seated this morning.
morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Here in the church and here online, it's a pleasure to be here this morning with y'all. Um, we are going to go ahead and dismiss Children's Church. So we're going to go over in this corner with Miss Marty. Y'all go ahead. It's quiet. Give them give give some praise, some applause for being awesome and dealing with this crazy school year. They deserve it. All right, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Josiah. You should have just dropped the mic. Mic drop. Good morning, everybody. Whew. How's everyone doing? Hey, one thing the Lord led in my heart during worship is the fact that I can tell, and I know for a fact, because I am your pastor, and I'm thankful for that, that a lot of you guys are going through some very difficult things, both family members, spouses, parents, children, and it may feel a little hopeless, and a lot of you are dealing with your own body, your own health, and it may feel hopeless, but I want y'all to know God loves you. Like, do we understand that? Like, he, he genuinely loves you, and he sees you in your situation. I hope you know you, you're not going through this alone. Plus, you have your church family if you allow them to be family, right? Because family outside of blood is a choice. We have to make that decision, but I want you to know that God loves you. Where is the clicker at? Does anybody know where this my clicker is? Brother Charlie's playing. You got a brother? How dare you, Pastor Charlie? Can y'all believe this is my fourth Sunday as senior pastor? Wow. How time flies. And Pastor Charlie, give Pastor Charlie a round of applause. Y'all don't understand, y'all. He is a phenomenal associate pastor. Talk about someone who has your back and picks up the slack. That's the man of God right there. And I'm so thankful to have him a part of this team because it's urging me forward. And thank you, everyone, for being here. I know it's summertime, and you could have been a lot of other places besides today, but you chose to be here, and that's a big deal, that you chose to be here. Uh, before we get started, I would like to pray for us real quick. Lord God, right now, I, just, I pray you would clear our minds and clear our thoughts, Lord God, just to focus on your word today. Lord God, this topic of holiness is not an easy one, and it's, it's not really preached in our day and age, and if it is, it's just kind of screamed at us to be holy, but it's not really taught. It's not really told what's not holy, and we're not really guided. We're just told to be holy. So, Lord God, as you laid this on my heart, I just pray that people would be receptive. I pray that no matter what's going on, you would clear their minds, because I know what it's like to be tired. I know what it's like to be weary. I know what it's like to be anxious, and sometimes the message goes in one ear and out the other, but Lord God, I pray that you would empower us to focus on you today. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say as I was struggling with what to preach this Sunday. Lord God, I just pray that you would be with all of us as we go through this. In your name I pray. Amen. Uh, well, guys, when I chose this, I had so many sermons I wanted to pick from. I literally, you, you can ask my wife, there were so many things I wanted to preach on. And I really thought this is pertinent to our day and age because we are told to do what makes you happy, not what makes you holy. So our message today do what makes you holy. And holiness is a choice, okay? We're not just born holy when we're saved. We're not holy. Holiness is a choice. And that is something we are meant to strive towards every single day. So what is, what is the definition of holiness? What is holiness? Holiness means to be sanctified, separated unto God, but also different and distinct from everything that is common. Only God is different and distinct from all things, hence he is holy. Holiness is his nature. He chose us that we should be holy. He chose us. If you're in this room and you believe in the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he chose you. 
to be holy. And I know that sounds like a really daunting task, but he didn't tell you to be holy and he wasn't going to give you any help. He gave the Holy Spirit to dwell within your mortal body to take you to that level, to that standard of living. All right, so our our first passage we're going to deal with, y'all, this is a very scripture-heavy sermon. Why? Because God is holy, and his word is holy, and his word tells us what is holiness. And the word of God stands on its own. Amen? The word of God, you, you don't need some cool pastor giving a cool sermon for it to be relevant and truth. The word of God is truth. It is the ultimate truth. Right, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, with your minds ready for what? Action. Action. Be what? What did I just pray? That our minds would be cleared and focused? So what is the scripture telling us? Your minds are ready for action. So what are you doing right now? You're paying attention. You're taking notes. You're focusing on the word of God. And your minds are cleared, focusing on the word of God. On the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. What is that? Your life before you knew Jesus. Don't be conformed to that same mindset that you had before you knew Jesus. Don't be stuck in those old ways you had before you knew Jesus. Amen, Colt? Me and you, me and you had some rough growing ups, brother. We understand. Don't be stuck in that former ignorance, right? Don't be stuck in that former way of life. Verse 15. But as the one who called you is what? Holy. You also are to be in all, what does that say? All. What does that mean? All. It means everything. It means everything. It doesn't mean you get to pick and choose. I'm proud of you. <laughs> she sounds so smart. <laughs> proud of you. That's my family. <laughs> in all of your what? What does that mean? That means every action you take, every word you speak, every thought you think is meant to be conformed to what? Holiness. It's a standard. Do we understand that? It's a standard that we're supposed to hold ourselves to. For it is written, y'all read that for me. For it is written. Be holy, why? Who is I? Who's he talking to? Talking to us. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. Wow. That says every. What does that mean? That means everything. All of them. That's for you. Wow. Blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Can we all read verse 4 together real quick? For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Wow. We were chosen before the world was ever created. We, we, us, were chosen to be a holy people. Before people were even created, before Adam and Eve ever were, you know, made from the dust, we were chosen before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Wow. He predestined us, he chose us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ, sons and daughters for Jesus, through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Lavish. What does that mean? Poured out and poured out and poured out way more than needed. 
way more than needed. He gave and he gave and he gave. And never stopped giving because he still gives. And he has prepared every spiritual blessing for us. Every single one. In the beloved one, who's that? Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, this is for who? For you. This is for us. We're going to deal, deal with three, three forms of holiness we have to avoid today. These are three things that the world is telling us to be that we have to avoid because it is not holiness. Casual Christianity that plagues the United States today. Casual Christianity. We show up when we feel like it. If we don't feel like it, we're going to choose to do something else. We're not committed. We're not there when we need to be there. Maybe we do commit, but we don't show up. Last minute, we're calling out for everything. Casual Christianity makes God an option. And what does Scripture just tell us? He chose us to be holy. So if if you are not pursuing holiness, what are you doing? You're going against the proper order of what he ordained you to be. There's no such thing as a casual Christian in Scripture. No such thing as a casual Christian in Scripture. Let's, let's, read, let's read a passage that this, and I talk about this passage to people all the time, because if you don't read this and take this to heart, there's a problem. All right, turn, turn it if you have your Bible or your smartphone. This one's not up on the screen. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I'm going to go ahead and read, but I want you to mark this in your Bible, because I think it's so crucial that you guys turn with me in your Bible. So therefore, maybe you don't even know where it is, but now you're going to know where it is. Ready? Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Take this to heart. If you've got to close your eyes to focus, please. Not everyone, okay, this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that tell us? Not everyone who claims to be a believer is going to be welcomed into the kingdom. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. In your name, sorry, and they, they say, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name? And do many miracles in your name, then I, then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Guys, casual Christians can serve in ministries. You can be a part of things and you can do things for the name of the Lord. But if you make him an option, you are then an option. If we don't Stand for him. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to fail, because we will. We, we sin, right? Everyone in here, raise your hand if you sin. That's encouraging. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Um, you're not going to be perfect. You're not. But the standard is holiness. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you are not striving to be holy in all of your conduct, if you make me an option, if you choose me when it's convenient, I'm not going to choose you. You won't be my brothers. You won't be my sisters. God the Father says, you won't be my children. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, this is Jesus speaking again. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise, sorry, for he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? 
Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father is perfect in heaven. What did that tell us to be? Perfect. What? God, we can't be perfect. Exactly. You cannot be perfect, but you can strive for it. That's not in your own will. I'm not saying you've got to dress a specific way, even talk a specific way. Okay? But we have to strive for that. That is holiness. It's being set apart, not common. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who's been, who's been welcomed into the marvelous light? Anybody else seen the goodness of God? Understand what it's like to come out of the darkness you were once living into the marvelous light? Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Amen? Once we were not a people, right? Gentile, the Gentiles were not welcomed into the family of God, but now we are a people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. John chapter 15 tells us that every branch that does not produce fruit is cut off. What does that tell us about casual Christianity? If you're not producing fruit, if you're not producing the Lord, what does he say is going to happen? You're going to be cut off so the other branches can be pruned to grow even more. If you don't produce fruit, Scripture tells us you're, you're cut off. You're cut off from the life source. Casual Christianity is toxic. It's toxic. You want to know why? Because those around you start to fall into the same thought process. If you make God an option, those around you will start making God an option. Parents, that's definitely for you. Parents, if you want your children to love God, to follow God, yet you make God an option and you're not present and you don't participate, your children are going to see God as an option. And that's toxic, not just to your friends, to your family. Casual Christianity is toxic to the health of the church, and it hinders the gospel. You want to know why it hinders the gospel? Because the world is looking at us. And if we claim Jesus Christ, yet we are living contrary to what Scripture tells us, the world sees that. You do realize when you claim Jesus, everyone's watching you. Everyone, all your friends, all your family, they know. Y'all think they don't care. They care. It's toxic and it hinders the gospel. Ecclesiastes 7, 15 through 22 tells us to avoid extremes. What does that mean? That means we have to be balanced. You can't just care about God a little bit and expect it to be okay. And you can't be overzealous to the point you're calling out everyone's sins except your own. There has to be balance in this life of holiness. All right? Superficial spirituality. Have you ever asked someone if they believe in God? And they reply, I'm kind of spiritual. What does that even mean? I'm, I'm kind of spiritual. And I have a lot of Christians I talk to. Y'all, did y'all know a statistic came out? CBN did this, did this statistic of churches. And only 51% of the people in the churches actually believe what the Bible says. They just like the morals and ethics that come from it. Because it makes them a good person. But the whole, the whole supernatural side of the Bible, 51% of Christians that they polled in these churches don't believe in the supernatural side of the Bible. They don't. 51%. That is superficial spirituality. You're picking and choosing where you want to be spiritual. There is no unkind of spiritual. It doesn't exist. You have a spirit, therefore you are spiritual. Every human being has a spirit, and it goes one or two places. Therefore, you are spiritual. 
whether you practice religion or not. You have a spirit, and it's going somewhere. And I don't know if you guys know this, but we talked about this in the youth group, and it's actually rising up in my generation. There's something called New Age. It's a form of witchcraft. Zodiac signs, signs in the stars, talking to the dead, aka necromancy from the Old Testament. Y'all, that, that's real. You see it all over TikTok. You see it all over kids. Y'all, every child who has an Instagram, their Zodiac sign is in their bio. But kids are so oblivious, they have no idea that's a form of witchcraft. And you know what? That's coming into our churches. A lot of churches are practicing this stuff, looking for signs in the heavens, using Zodiac signs. And you know, there are clear warnings in Scripture that that new age of spirituality is evil. Let's look at some Scripture reference. Leviticus 19.31. Do not turn to mediums or consult spiritists, or you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. What does he say? Stay away. I am your God. It's me. Not, not that stuff. I am your God. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 10. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. What's he saying? You are a holy people. I set you apart for a purpose. Don't be like them. Hey, church, look at me. Don't be like the people around you. Don't be like the ones running to sin. Don't be like them. That is the same call to the people of God today as it was then. No one among you is to sacrifice his sons or daughters in the fire. Okay, that sounds severe, but abortion runs rampant in our nation today. Sacrificing your child to Molech in the Old Testament, the god of fertility, where they would then sacrifice their newborn babies in the fire, is the same spirit that is over abortion in the United States today. If y'all have been showing up or listening to the Wednesday nights, y'all are going to know there are a lot of spirits in America, and we have to be able to understand them and identify them. The same spirit today. Don't practice divination. Tell fortunes. Interpret omens. Practice sorcery. Cast spells. Or consult a medium. What's that telling us? Stay away from this new age spirituality. It's evil. And you know what's funny? It's called new. But this movement is not new. The enemy is scamming people. There's nothing new under the sun. He used this same method to corrupt the nations in the Old Testament. These same practices the church is going into because it's cool and it's hip and people won't. Y'all, I'm okay if the church stays at this, this size congregation forever as long as we stick to the word of God. Right. We're not changing to grow. But churches are changing to grow and they're adapting practices that are anti-biblical. There's nothing new under the sun. How many times do I have to say this? The devil, young people, everyone in this room who fallen into this stuff, all your friends who are falling into this stuff, he's scamming you. You're being played for a fool. Do you understand this? Young people, he's playing you for a fool. And all your friends around you who are dragging you into it, stay away. That may mean you need to lose some friendships, young people. Don't let them drag you down. Don't let them take you to a path you never wanted to go. Mark 4, 13 through 19. Those who hear in vain. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, don't you understand this parable? This is the parable of the sower. How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows what? The word. What am I doing right now? Sowing the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Have we seen people like that? Immediately. And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. 
they are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the what? What does that tell us? Distress and persecution are going to come because of the word. You believe the word, you're going to experience this. They immediately fall away. Superficial spirituality. Others are like the seed sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the words of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. We have to stay clear of superficial spirituality. So what are the first two things we have to be aware of? We cannot be casual Christians. Y'all, we need y'all to show up and to, be, and to volunteer and to serve and to be present. Why do we need that? Because the kingdom of God needs that. The gospel being furthered, pushed forward, needs you guys. Now, it's going to happen regardless, you help or not. But God wants you to be a part of it. We need you to be a part of it in this ministry. Y'all, if you, if, you are, if you are in this house right now and this is your church, you have stake in this church. So whether this church grows or does not grow, guess who that doesn't just fall on? That doesn't just fall on me. That doesn't just fall on Pastor Charlie. In the American church, we have it mixed up. The pastor is supposed to fill every spiritual role in the house, including evangelist. Do y'all know where the majority of my time is spent in this church? Making sure everything's running well, making sure we have everything we need, preparing sermons, preparing lessons. I don't think y'all understand how much time I put into these lessons and these sermons for you guys. Because I'm not just giving you some watered-down, whitewashed sermons that other people have preached. It's not who I am. Who is out in the workforce? Out there. Who's around their friends? Who socializes probably more than me? You guys. What does that mean? You guys can evangelize. You guys can invite people to church. What? Yeah, you can. Yeah. That doesn't just fall on me. That doesn't just fall on Pastor Charlie. Whether this ministry rises or falls, first off, it's on God. That's God's will. Second off, it falls on all of us. Do you love Crossroads? Do you want to see Crossroads grow? Yeah, me too. Which means we all have to do better, including me. Yo, y'all realize this sermon is for me too. This sermon is definitely for me because sometimes I do like to pick and choose. Sometimes I would love to study the word of God more than help someone in need. I'm picking and choosing my holiness. I'm an introvert. I, you can ask anybody. I'm an introvert. I love to read. I do. I would rather sit in my house and read than go out and be with someone in the hospital. Selective holiness, right? This message isn't just for you. This is a message for your pastor too, that we are to seek holiness in every aspect of our lives. What does scripture say? In all your conduct, be holy. Not in one or two areas, and I'm good with that. Jesus is saying, strive in every aspect of your life for holiness. Holiness, believe it or not, is not a man-made tradition. <gasps> what? Holiness was not created by man. And the standards of man do not uphold holiness. Jesus does not condone man-made traditions that hinder people's walks with the Lord. He says to be holy, not traditional. Let's look at scripture. Matthew 15, 1 through 9. You can ask Pastor Charlie. I got real excited about this passage the other day. Because me and Pastor Charlie have been talking. We are here to, to do the Bible. We are here to be a Bible-believing church. Whether that looks like traditional IPHC or not, we're here to do the Bible. To be the church. And sometimes that goes against tradition. That goes against what people are comfortable with. Verse 1. Then Jesus, oh sorry, there we go. Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, 
why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. Y'all hear what they're concerned about? They're concerned about these fellows not washing their hands after they go potty. (laughs) That's what they're worried about. Wow. Verse 3, he answered them, why do you break? Hold up. This is fire because this is me. Clean to this. Verse 3, Jesus answered. Why do you break God's commandments because of your tradition? Whoa, Jesus. What did Jesus say? Why do you break the word of God because of your tradition? Why do you care more about your tradition than the word of God? For God said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, oh shoot, hey children, woo! (laughs) But you say, whoever tells his father or mother whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. So so what have they been telling people? No, don't help out your mother and father. Just give it to the temple. Tithe more. Give more offering. You want to know why? Because the Pharisees and scribes were profiting off of the temple. The more the temple made, the more salary they made. So what were they telling people? Don't take care of your mother and father. Bless the temple. Self-gain. Jesus, verse 6, he does, not ha- he does not have to honor his father. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Wow. So what did we look at? We said avoid extremes. One extreme was not being committed at all to God, just kind of being spiritual. This end of the spectrum is being so religious that you're not even pursuing the word of God. You care more about what man is making. What did we say? Avoid extremes. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Verse 7, what does that word say? Woo! That's a word we don't like to hear in the church, does it? It makes us feel uncomfortable. Hypocrite. What, Jesus? How dare you judge somebody? What, Jesus? You don't know them? Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. It's okay to call a hypocrite a hypocrite sometimes. If you're pursuing man-made traditions in the word of God... Well, you're not pursuing God at all, but claiming Christianity. It's okay to call sometimes. God, call it like you see it sometimes. Jesus did. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I ain't going to say I ain't guilty of that sometimes. I've been guilty of that sometimes. I've been so guilty of trying to serve the Lord more than I spent time with him. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Wow. Teaching as doctrines, human commands. I know some of us on Wednesday nights have been a little mind-blown sometimes from some of the things I said because y'all been taught some traditions that aren't necessarily Bible. And I've been talking about supernatural realm, and some of y'all been like, what? And then I had to write a whole article just for y'all to realize I knew what I was talking about. And then y'all started to believe me, but it's okay. I understand. Sometimes you got to do research for your own. Some of y'all were real skeptical until I wrote the article. And you're like, wow, Pastor Sai actually knows the Bible? I have a Bible degree. Thank you, though, guys. I appreciate the support. (laughs) They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrine human commands. Now, Jesus was referencing the the book of Isaiah, chapter 29. Let's look what this says, because this is really encouraging to me. Isaiah 29, 13 through 14. The Lord said, these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with their lip service. Yet their hearts are far from me. That's what Jesus just quoted, correct? And human rules direct their worship of me. Y'all, that one hits. You want to know why? Because so long in church, we, we've been told it's weird to raise your hands. We've been told it's, it's weird to go up to the altar and to kneel before the Lord and to praise him. 
And we, we've really taken human rules that have directed our worship of him. Verse 14. Now, this is what I love. Because, y'all, there's something happening in the atmosphere. And churches are starting. A lot. I've seen a lot of pastors and a lot of churches start to understand something's happening. And churches are always going to be done like they think it's always been done. And there's a shift happening. And Isaiah prophesied this in verse 14. Obviously, it came to pass with Jesus. But I believe it's going to come to pass again. Therefore, I will again confound these people wonder after wonder. What does that mean? The Lord's about to move. Something's about to happen. Miracles are about to take place. Wonder after what? Wonder. He ain't doing one. He ain't doing two. Wonder after wonder after wonder after wonder. Well, we'll be confounded. Whoa, God, you don't fit in my box? Seems like, it seems like a couple years ago, Pastor Tim preached a message, the unorthodox God. Can't put him in a box. Can't put him in a box. And they're going to be churches completely mind-blown, thinking that it's not the will of God because they're, out, they're, they're the ones outside of the will of God. What did the Pharisees tell Jesus when he was healing people? He has a demon. Jesus is healing people, and they're saying, Jesus, you have a demon. Y'all realize the Pentecostal church, we're, we're the weird cousins sometimes. Other churches look at us, they're like, oh, yo, yo, y'all some weirdos, man. Why y'all, why y'all speaking in them weird foreign tongues? Why y'all being those weird people? But the thing is, God does these things to confound the wise. He does this on what? On purpose. The wisdom of their wise will what? Vanish. What happens when a wise person can't explain something? What? But you were supposed to know. What are you talking about, pastor? You didn't have the answer for that. And the perception of their per- and the perception of their perceptive will be hidden. What does that mean? Those in their church who see the things, they won't be able to see it. So what does that tell us? That we cannot get stuck in this traditional mindset that traditionalism is holiness. Why? Because we are going to miss a move of God if we live in that extreme. Avoid extremes, avoid casual, casual Christianity, and avoid over-traditionalism. I'm not saying it's not okay to do hymns. I love hymns. I need the every hour is my favorite hymn. I listen to it on repeat almost every day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying if you put the standards of man above the word of God, you're going to miss it. Holiness is being like Jesus, not what the opinions of man tell you to be. Do we understand when Jesus came and lived his life? You can see a great portion of his teachings, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. He lays it out for you. What does it mean? What does it mean? And I encourage you all this week to read those three small chapters. They're not even huge. What did Jesus say? What, is it, what did Jesus teach? And then read the rest of the Gospels and see how did Jesus live. You realize Jesus was the perfect man. Why did God send him? To set a standard for us. To live. It's a standard of living. To be holy, you must follow the word of God above man-made tradition. You have to. Why? Because following the traditions of man above the word of God will make you a Pharisee rather than a disciple of Jesus Christ. Who crucified Jesus? What happens if you follow traditions over the word of God? You're a Pharisee. And who once again crucified Jesus? Pharisees. You cannot be so overzealous for what you think is the will of God that you miss the will of God. I bet Jesus would have wore jeans in church. I bet you Jesus would be a jean wearer. You wonder how I know this? Because the people who visited the synagogues besides the Pharisees were common people. Yo, Jesus was a carpenter. You think that man had money for these glorious robes? Do we understand that? Jesus wasn't some rich. Now, he's a king. He is the king. 
but he was not a king physically on the earth. Jesus would have been dressed like a normal person. If Jesus had come in the year 2021 instead of back 2,000 years ago, he would look like one of us. A normal person. So we can't get so caught up that our pastor wears jeans that we can't hear anything he's saying. Jesus was holy, but what did Jesus also say? God doesn't look at the outside appearance. God looks at the what? The heart of man. And why did Jesus not entrust himself unto the people? Because he knew their hearts were evil. He didn't care what they looked like on the outside. He didn't trust the Pharisees. Y'all, the Pharisees were some of the greatest looking people. All they did was for show. Everything they wore was beautiful. Jesus didn't trust them because they looked good. He didn't trust them at all. But who were his disciples that he entrusted? Some dirty fishermen. These men covered in fish guts, and he says, come follow me. Got to get rid of that religious spirit, folks. Holiness is the standard by which all believers are meant to strive. It's not just an international Pentecostal holiness thing. It's an everyone thing. What did Ephesians tell us? We were chosen before the foundations of the world to be a holy people. I need y'all to write that quote down. I need y'all to ponder this because some of us are not living lives striving towards holiness. And we have to be honest with ourselves. You, you guys do realize that self-analysis, self-reflection is crucial in the Christian walk. Because if you're not reflecting on your actions and on your words, you're going to miss it. And I guarantee God's not losing track of things you say and do. We've got to do better about self-reflective mindsets in the church because we're so quick to point fingers at the outside world. Listen, how can we hold the outside world to a standard of holiness when they don't even believe in God? They have no concept of sin. Sin means nothing to them. They're just living their lives. So why does it matter how you live in front of people? Why does it matter that all your conduct be holy? Because they're watching you. And we are meant to live to a standard of holiness. Traditionalism does not equal holiness. Some of us need to get that today. Because some of us have been in church a long time. And we got to realize God isn't going to move if we put him in a box. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be whacking weirdos. I'm just saying we're believing the Bible. And we're reading the Bible for what it says. Now, yes, we have to pertain to the IPHC manual. But the IPHC manual is not our Bible. Believe it or not. We're in the IPHC, but we are a church of who? Of God. Seven, and listen, I feel like sometimes we, we miss practical ways to further, right? Because holiness is what? It's a choice. Righteousness is imparted onto us, not holiness. We have to seek holiness. And I feel like sometimes we never talk about practical ways to be holy, to be set apart unto God. Seven practical ways to be holy. Abide in him daily. I said daily. I'm not saying you got to read 10 chapters of Bible a day. It could be one verse. It could be one verse you cling on for the whole day and ponder on and meditate on. Get in a daily routine of scripture reading and what? Prayer. And prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life daily. What does that mean? To be intentional about being used by the Holy Spirit. Have y'all noticed that sometimes, maybe you go to a restaurant and there's someone with a really bad attitude. All it takes is for you to smile at them to change their whole day. That's you showing Jesus to somebody. That's being intentional in the small ways of how we let the Holy Spirit use us. Avoid non-wise decisions that could lead to sin. 
Okay, just because it's not a sin does not mean it's not wise. Do you hear that? Don't even get near it. Do, do we understand? For some reason, we as Christians like to play with the boundary line. We like to get as close to sin without sinning. Does that make sense? But sin usually comes from unwise decisions. You know what tempts you. You know what tempts you. Stay away. If it's anything even involved in it, if you want to seek holiness, stay away. Right? Be wise about how you live. Number four, be extremely active in avoiding sin. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. You know what tempts you. If it causes you to sin, stay away. Y'all, if we know we're going to sin and we know we don't want to sin, why do we play games? Did y'all hear me? Why do we play games? Y'all know what I have on all my, y'all know what I have on all my devices? I have blockers put up, so there's not even an option. Wonder why? Because yes, pastors fail too. Do y'all know how many sex scandals have come out on the news of pastors? Y'all, Hillsong in, Calif- in New York has pretty much lost their whole pastoral staff. I'm not joking, y'all. Their whole pastoral staff has been fired for sexual conduct. Affairs, all of them. I ain't playing games. All my devices, you can ask my wife. She's got the password. All my devices have blockers put up. I'm not even giving the devil an option. Because why? Scripture says flee from the devil. And I like to say violently flee from the devil. That means you're running, but you're like shooting a gun behind you while you're running, right? Pop, pop, pop. It's like a drive-by. Gah, 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 gah. Right? That's what we're doing. We don't just avoid. We violently avoid sin. Violently avoid it. That means whatever you got to do, you stay away from it. Stay away. Be meek. What is meekness? Meekness is power under control. If Jesus was not the perfect example of meekness, y'all, the God of the universe indwelled the form of a man, yet he never, he was being beaten, never spoke a word. Said multiple times in the Gospels, his disciples were asking him why he wouldn't use his power. He said, don't you know at any moment I could call down a legion of angels to fight for me? Y'all, that's 12,000 angels at any moment but what his power was under control. He knew when to use it and when not to use it. You cannot be holy and assert power over everyone around you. You can't be a dictator in your life and be holy. Scripture tells us there's only one judge, there's only one authority, and that is the Lord God, not you. You cannot be holy and assert power over everyone around you. Be kind. I know that's a big saying right now. But even when it's not deserved, be kind. Be kind. You cannot be mean all the time and be holy. Y'all, there's some mean church folk. I'm criticized more by church folk than I am the world. I'm not talking good criticism. I'm talking... Especially as a young pastor, everybody got something to say. You know, you know, you know what's my favorite thing? They tell me to be myself, but then they tell me what to be. <laughs> Hey, be yourself, but preach this way. Nah, I'm good. God made me me for a reason. I'm not Pastor Tim. I'm not my grandfather either, and I'm good with that. But I love that. Be yourself, but no, be this way instead. Hey, guess what? Y'all, just be you. Let the Holy Spirit develop your heart. Let him develop your character. Let him develop your gifts. Don't be somebody you're not. And be kind to those who don't think like you. Y'all do realize there's a lost world who's going to hell that needs people to be kind to them, to lead them to Jesus. One of, one of my favorite sayings is, you can never scare someone into loving Jesus. 
No matter how many times you tell someone they're going to hell, that's not going to make them love Jesus. But you can love someone into loving Jesus. Be kind. Kindness is a huge part of holiness. It's the way we treat others when they don't deserve it. Number seven, judge yourself before you judge others. Woo, man. Yeah. What did Jesus say? He said, before you try to pull a twig out of your brother's eye, get that huge tree chunk out of your own eye. Is that not what he said? He said, bro, look at your life. You are sinning so horribly all the time, but you see, you see your brother or sister sin, and you automatically want to point out their, their fallings. What does sin mean? It means to miss the mark. Some of y'all ain't hit the mark in a long time, but y'all want to tell other people when they missed it for the first time. Whoo, Lord Jesus. You see, y'all don't want me to preach. I'm going to hurt some people's feelings. Judge yourself before you judge others. Scripture is clear. And you know what Scripture also says? The same level you judge people at, the same measurement, is gonna, you're going to be held at the same standard. The standard of judgment you use, you're going to be judged. Y'all better watch out for the way y'all talk about people. Because you know what God's doing? He's talking about you the same way. And some of the problem is some of y'all have not read the Scriptures to understand. You better watch out. This ain't a game. Everything you say and do is going to be held against you. It's like the law of court, right? You better watch out. Everything you say and do will be used against you. We are called to worship in spirit and in truth. What does that tell me? We have to avoid extremes. We, y'all, we cannot just be a charismatic church that does not read the Bible. Y'all, there are charismatic churches that literally never touch scripture. They have these crazy worship services that are like concerts. And a cool pastor who's like, looks like a bodybuilder. I'm like, dude, how do you have time to work out when you're a pastor? Doesn't he make sense like that? Anyways, anyways, but he just, he just gives us, he gives a self-motivational sermon that has nothing to do with the Bible. That is one extreme we have to avoid because that is hyper-charismaticism. Avoid that. But we also cannot fall to the opposite end of the spectrum that, y'all, I'm just going to be honest, like, like the fundamental Baptist church that doesn't believe the Holy Spirit moves at all, that doesn't believe in spiritual gifts, that only believes in the truth of the Bible, what are we called to do? Worship in spirit and truth. In order to live a holy life, we have to avoid extremes. We have to know the word of God, but we also got to be willing to get our knees before the Lord sometime. And we have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit work through us in our spiritual gifts. And we're going we're to be starting a series soon on the spiritual gifts starting in July. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit works in your heart because I want you to use your spiritual gifts. One of the worst things you can do in your Christian life is let the Lord invest, invest, invest spiritual gifts in you, but you never use his investment. Y'all remember the parable of the king who gave the tenants the coins, right? It all gave them coins. 10 coins. Well, I think it was 10, 5, and 1. The one he gave, the 10, he invested, and it multiplied. The one he gave, the 5, invested and multiplied. But the one he gave, 1, he didn't even invest, and he just kept it. Right? And, 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 the, and the Lord was just, like, the, the, disgusted by that. How do you think he feels about you when he gives you all these spiritual gifts and you never use them? And you know what? Before we leave, I just I want to pray for us. Because it's, it's this, this task, you're not doing this alone. You're not doing this alone. And I know this wasn't like a traditional sermon. This is, I'm telling you, we are still laying the groundwork for the things to come. Does that make sense? We're laying the groundwork for things to come. Week one, we talked about the Shema, which was that pledging allegiance to Yahweh and Yahweh alone. Week two was koinonia, fellowship, right? We are striving in a dynamic relationship with God and man to the goal of the kingdom. Week three, Pastor Charlie preached an awesome message on one accord. 
unity, right? We may not always agree, but we're going to the same goals, the same direction. And today is holiness, because we as a church have to lay the groundwork in this new season before we go forward. And I'm guilty of this. I don't always seek holiness in every aspect of my life, because it's hard. Yo, being holy is hard, especially in a world we live where they tell you to be everything but holy. They tell you to side with everything but God. That's the world we live in. So why is it important that we're at church? Because we have to be around like-minded people. Iron sharpens iron. If you spend six days out of the week with non-believers who are tearing you down or telling you to live contrary, and you're spending one day with Christians, that way outweighs that. This is your family, right? We talked about this. Which means we are here for one another. We urge each other on in what? In holiness. So y'all stand up with me while, while I pray for us to seek God in a new level of holiness, that this church would be a church set apart. Not that we're better than other churches, but that we just want, we just want to see the face of God. That we just want to experience the kingdom of God. Do y'all understand that when Jesus came to the earth, the kingdom of heaven was brought down with him? And now we can experience a large portion of the kingdom of heaven right here today as followers of Jesus. We can experience that today. We can experience the kingdom of God where we are. But that's a conscious decision to live the way he's called us to live. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for everyone who chose to be here today. I thank you for everyone who took this word to heart, Lord God. That you chose us before the foundations of the world to be a holy people. And what is holiness? It's being set apart unto God, sanctified by his word and by his spirit. Uncommon, distinct, different from all that is common around us in the world. Lord God, you have chosen us to be set apart as a people. So God, right now, I, I pray you would deal with every heart and every mind in this building, that we would avoid extremes, that we would take what I said, that we worship in spirit and in truth, not that we would become hyper-charismatic and not that we would become a staunch Baptist fundamentalist, but that Holy Spirit, we would be right where you want us to be, that we would be balanced, that, that prophecy in Isaiah 29, 13 through 14 would come to pass in this church. That we would see wonder after wonder after wonder after wonder. Why? Because we worship in spirit and in truth. And we are a people who choose holiness. That we go against what the world says. Oh, just, just find your own happiness. Find your own truth. But we choose holiness. We do what makes us holy. Lord God, because it's not always easy. But guess what? You gave your son to die on a cross for us. And then you gave your Holy Spirit to dwell within us. We're not alone. And not, not even more than that, you've given us each other. Lord God, you have given us everything we need to fight the spiritual battle. Everything. You tell us you have given us every, every piece of armor we need to seek holiness and to be righteous in this earth. So Lord God, even though the world around us becomes more wicked day by day, I pray we would be more holy day by day. Not that we would lord that over people as we're superior, but that we would show people the way to holiness that we would guide people down the path of righteousness, that narrow is the road to salvation, but broad is the road to destruction. Lord God, I pray that a part of our holiness would be a revived spirit for evangelism. I pray we would go out and tell people about you, but not just tell people, that our life would be the greatest testimony we have, that people would see the way we live and they would want you, Lord God. I pray that we would go from the spirit of judgment into a spirit of love, not, not condoning everything people do, but that we would first self-reflect before we point out the wrongdoings of other people. Lord Jesus, I pray that people would go throughout this week and they would read Matthew 5 through 7 and they would see what you taught. They would see what you stood for. Jesus, you, our Savior, our Messiah. 
So, Lord God, I pray that your word would permeate our minds, and I pray that your spirit would permeate our spirit, Lord God. I pray we would go into our week seeking holiness, setting this firm foundation for crossroads, moving forward, Lord God, as we seek your spiritual gifts to further the kingdom of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Pastor Betty, you have food today? Everyone, go, go receive the blessing of free food so you ain't got to go to the grocery store.